Welcome to the Kumbaya Podcast, the whole woman's resource. I am Dr. Amanda Shipley, a pelvic physical therapist who is passionate about prevention and supporting women along their holistic health journey. Today, I am speaking with Carrie Conti, who is an internationally recognized speaker, coach, author, and educator. She earned her doctorate in clinical psychology with an emphasis on prenatal and perinatal psychology. She is absolutely amazing at synthesizing and articulating the science, psychology, and spirituality of being human. I consider her to be the guru of translating what is now known about human and brain development into information that we can apply for more conscious, evolved parenting and family life. She describes the old paradigm versus the new paradigm of parenting and relating to our growing family members and teaches us how to take things to another level to help our humans be their best self. We also go into why she says that self-care is a necessity and not a luxury. So important for everyone to hear, whether you have children or not. Visit me at kumbayalpodcast.com if you want to check out the show notes for this episode. Enjoy. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to have you here on the podcast. I'm thrilled to be here, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So I would love for us to start by you telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. Uh, let's see. I am a funny sort. I work with parents mostly uh, because it's really a passion, but I didn't get into it because I became a parent. I've done it since I was a little kid. I was the mother's helper of my neighborhood and then the babysitter and then a nanny and then a teacher. And then I just kept going and going and going with this really internally driven passion for um, not really parenting per se, but more how to help the small humans who arrive uh, move through life connected to themselves. And in order to really do that, I have to uh, work with parents. And so that's what I do. I support parents all over the world who are really choosing a conscious path and are looking for uh, inspiration, support, and guidance around parenting, which is a big, wonderful endeavor. Yes. And we need a lot of help. <laughs> At least anyone that I know. <laughs> you get into the thick of it and it's like, please help. What about your work are you most passionate yeah, I love it all. Um, I would say I love responding to what people are needing in the moment. So I, I have offered programs in the past, and I still do that. And I love sharing what I know about the brain and about the nervous system and about human development and, a, and even a bigger spiritual perspective on it all. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it really comes down to it, I love when people are trying to implement this stuff in really practical, like day-to-day, moment-to-moment ways. And I can help them really understand how to do that uh, in a way that's very practical. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. And I think the more practical things are, the better. We can. It's great to read books and look at things that 
do talk about like say the brain development or something, but until you can really make it usable, make it actionable, then it doesn't help anyone, especially someone who has one, two, three kids and they're in that stage of life where it's, it's really easy to feel overwhelmed. Yeah, exactly. What I tell people is I have a parenting brain without having to be a parent. So in a way I'm really bringing a different perspective that's hard to really see when you're in the thick of it. And once I kind of um, illuminate it, it's a no-brainer. It's like, oh, right, of course, they're a person, and I'm having to help them understand life, and the languages I'm speaking are going to be wired into their brain. But when you're in it and somebody's having a tantrum or mm-hmm. you've got a, you know, a teen or a teen and you're struggling with screen stuff, you need the practical. You need somebody saying, all right, try this, here's the background behind it, and this is what I would recommend. And then off they go and do the experiment, and then I get the feedback. And so I'm a little bit of a clearinghouse for, I hold, you know, thousands of people's experiences, and I'm the person sort of saying, oh, well, I heard about this person, they tried this, you might want to try that. So it's like being a bit of the, um, the brain of a system of people that are trying to uh, really do it differently than it might have been done for them. Yes, yes. I think that's amazing. What are some of the most common things that you see moms or parents struggling with? Well, I think uh, it's interesting. I think there's some things that are sort of uh, universal, and then there's some things that over my last 20 years of doing this have become more prevalent. So the things that are universal is, you know, understanding what emotions are all about. And when somebody's, when a child is having a meltdown, really help, whether whatever age they are, helping a parent see that that's not them misbehaving, that's them being stressed and needing to discharge something that's been building up in their system. So it might, it might sound like it's about the cookie that you're not giving them, but it's really more about what's going on in their brain and their nervous system. And when you have more understanding of that and you're not trying to dance around to fix it you're just learning how to be with it Mm -hmm. that can be really powerful and also it's a lot easier I mean being with people in their big emotions isn't necessarily easy for many of us Mm -hmm. but when you understand why it's happening I think it does uh, slow everybody down and, and even soften you know the parenting heart because you don't feel like you're responsible for this kid who's upset so that's kind of the you know one of the that I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And then I think, uh, you know, the technology and the screens and where we are in that world, that's, that's changing constantly. And so that's become something that was, you know, maybe a little bit of like, well, my child wants to watch movies all the time. And now it's the, my child wants a smartphone and I'm not sure. And they, all their friends have it. So yeah. I can see what's changing, but a lot of it, is still the same, which is, is fascinating to me. Right. Well, and that, I think, is territory that we haven't ever been in. So we've all had, at least my age group, you know, our childhood, we didn't have smartphones. We didn't have any cell phone. I mean, right. most of the technology we have now, yet we don't want to be without it ourselves. And so our kids see us on right. it all the time. So how can we not let them be a part of the modern time? But then how do we parent them with that? Because we don't know how to parent that, you know, at all. So... Yeah, I know. It's it's a really interesting moment. And um, I think even my friends and clients 
who are now, their kids are now, you know, they're in their early 20s or even late teens, uh, experience something quite different than they're dealing with their 11 or 12 year old. So the, the momentum, whether we know it or not, you know, we're the, we're the frogs in the water that's getting hotter and hotter and we don't even really see it. And I'm not a absolutist in any regard. It's like, this is what's happening. It's not, we better stop it because there's always been something that parents thought was going to take everybody down and it didn't. Yeah. Uh, and this is the world they're moving into. So how not to make it right or wrong, but how to teach your kids how to be healthy with it. That's, that's what I am more interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So getting into the nuts and bolts of um, your knowledge and why I'm so, so elated to have you on this podcast with me today. Um, how is our knowledge of like child development and neurobiology changing? So I've heard you speak about um, the old paradigm versus mm -hmm. the new paradigm. So can you elaborate on that for us? Yeah, I would love to. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. So basically what we're in the midst of, and, and we've been in it now for a couple of decades, but it's still a, a transitional moment, is uh, our understanding of humans and human development. And so I like to say the old paradigm, and I could, you know, I make a gesture with my hand, like the world is flat paradigm, the way we used to think, uh, was that babies arrive as blank slates. But there's not really anybody home. They don't remember anything. They're not really any. There's no. There's no. There's no intelligence. They're just these vessels, and it's the parents' job to make them who they are, to fill them up, to be, you know, the one saying this is right, this is wrong, do this, don't do this. Uh, you're you're a non person until you can do the things that we do, and I have to be the one that teaches you everything, and that is old and that's not even, there's nothing accurate about that. And the reason we know that is from a few different fields. One is attachment theory. The other is pre and perinatal psychology, which is what I've had my PhD in. And then the other is now the interpersonal neurobiology, which is just really the, the neuroscience of, um, of our race, relational system. And so what that, what all of that, all those sciences, all those psychological understandings, is illuminating is what we call the new paradigm. And the new paradigm is uh, the sense that you don't get a baby, you get a person. And this person isn't an other, they're who they are. And yet they come in this very small body that's very immature, but in a very short time, uh, they're, they're becoming more and more of, of the, the person that they already are. And they're going to be more skilled so it's not actually a filling up. It's not a blank slate and you make them who, who they are. It's actually they're there always and it's an unfolding out based on them creating the neurology and the, the muscle structure that allows them to go from this, you know, seven pound baby person to a person who's walking and talking and singing and dancing through toddlerhood and a person who's doing math and creating stories and being creative and having relationships outside of their parents in childhood. And then there's tweenhood and then there's teenhood and then there's what I call baby adulthood. And it's basically <laughs> this really beautiful, you know, two and a half decade process of, of development that is not, a it, it's not a, 
it's not, oh, now you're a person because you can do the things we are doing. It's, oh, you're in there. And it's my job as the parent to help guide you, to model, to speak not just the verbal languages, but the social languages and the emotional languages and the creative languages that's going to help you understand how to navigate this developmental process that's inevitable. That's awesome. That is amazing. Now, I'd love for you to um, share with us some basic fundamental concepts of brain development that might help parents Mm -hmm. understand their children and themselves even more. Yeah, that's great. I love talking about this. It's so, um, I don't know, maybe about 15 years ago when I was finishing up grad school and I was um, really trying to figure out how do I share this really complex information with parents because that's what I wanted to do. I wasn't looking to teach college. I wasn't looking to even do therapy, which I was trained for. Mm-hmm. I really saw a, a, a place for this and people to use very preventatively and practically. So the way that I teach about the brain is very simplistic, but for parenting purposes, it's fantastic. So, um, and this comes a lot from Dan Siegel and a guy named Alan Shore. So it's not, it's not my information. It's just how I've put it together. And the way that I uh, have come to understand it is that we don't just have this one brain uh, that is, you know, pre-wired, that we come into the world with um, only about 15 to 20% of our brain wiring, the neural, the neural connections. And um, if you were to make a fist with your hand that has your thumb tucked in and your fourth, you know, your main fingers tucked over your thumb, uh, that's a little hand model of the brain. Dan Siegel talks about this. And he basically says your, you know, four fingers folded over is really your, your neocortex. And we call that the human brain. Then where your thumb is, that's really where your mammal brain or your limbic system is, which is very different than what the functioning of that human part is. And then your your wrist in the base of your hand, that is um, your brainstem, kind of what goes down your neck. And that part of the brain is all about, that's what we call the reptile brain. And they all have very different functions and they all need very different things. So when a baby's born, they're not speaking the human language and they're not even really connecting emotionally. The only thing they're doing is taking in information through their senses. And that information that's coming in through their senses is getting filtered through their nervous system. And that's basically telling them whether they're safe or not safe. And if they feel safe, they're pretty calm and quiet and relaxed. And if they feel unsafe, they're agitated and and, um, activated and they go into a fight or flight state. And so when a little baby person is born, that's all they've got to work with. They don't have the other parts of the brain wired. But very, very quickly, you know, within six weeks, they go from this little person who can't really do much at all and isn't really interacting on a very social level because that part of the brain that's wired is just the survival part of I need food, I need to sleep, I need to know that somebody's out there. Mm-hmm. But the actual connection really doesn't kick on until six weeks. And that's because that middle part of the brain, the the mammal brain, the part that we share with the other mammals, that part of the brain kicks on and that's when we start to connect. And that's where the attachment system starts to get wired. And that for the next nine months, the adult people are talking to this baby person and, and interacting in a very human way, but the little one is not doing that yet. However, 
in about 9, 10, 11, 12 months, they start to use that neocortex. And so the thing about it is, and, and you know, and in that in that moment, they're starting to wire language, whether it's sign language or verbal language, and they're starting to create more and they're pointing to things and saying animal sounds and then they're talking and then they're walking and doing all these things that are very specific to humans. Mm -hmm. And the deal is, is that it's a bottom up process and the, the, the mammal brain, that brainstem, that's always on and it's always in charge. But as the person develops and creates the neural connections that allow for more of that emotional connection, which is, you know, the eye contact and the sounds and the cooing, um, that that part becomes sort of the the way we communicate subtly. And then we have more overt communication in our human state. But again, we don't come pre-wired. We're waiting for our environment, our people, to communicate through their actions more than even through their words what are the things we're going to need to know here? And so not just what language you speak, your verbal language, but also how you deal with stress and how you handle emotions. And all of that is getting absorbed and wired into the neurology of this little human who's basically observing and absorbing the world around them, specifically through the people that they're spending the most time with, who are their caregivers, parents, teachers, you know, extended family. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is it's less about what you're doing and more about how you're being that's really influencing the neurology and how that gets set up in a, a, a human. Wow. I love that. How we're being. Oh, that's so powerful. So can you give us a, an example, um, you know, say of like optimal, maybe like non-optimal? Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't typically go in that direction, but you know, there's, there's ways of, um, I mean, it's a funny paradox because it's when you, when you operate from this perspective, you recognize that, you know, parenting means a lot. Like these are new humans that are here to be who they are, but they don't know what the deal is. Like they do have to learn about the specific culture and family and system that they're coming into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yet they're still going to turn out kind of who they are, even if that is not paid close attention to. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's important to have this mindset of, Hey, you're paying attention to how I'm operating. So I want to be thoughtful about how I'm caring for myself because I'm really recognizing that, the languages I'm speaking are going to influence how you deal with life. So uh, an optimal would be a parent who really is self-aware enough to notice where they are emotionally. And that is a skill that a lot of us have to cultivate because a lot of us weren't guided in that way as, as kids. We thought, well, I'll pay attention to how everybody else is feeling and I'll respond to that. But really, when we make the time and take the time to notice what's going on in ourselves, it it changes how we interact with others. So it's not a specific like, you need to do X, Y, and Z to make sure your child has this. But it's really paying more attention to how am I feeling? What's going on in me? Am I, am I communicating uh, stress or am I communicating this is how I deal with stress? Am I communicating this is how I problem solve? Like, 
all of that is getting, you're being watched because the person, the little person needs to understand it all. Like that's survival. Yes. So the ideal, you know, an ideal or optimal experience is a parent who has enough support so that they have the time and space, even if it's moments a day to check in and notice, oh, my shoulders are really tight. Let me take a breath and see if I can bring a little more ease to myself. Or the child's upset and the parent, instead of just going, you're fine, it's okay, you're fine, and basically communicating we're both stressed, that person's taking a moment and going, Whoo, okay, you're having a hard time. I'm actually having a hard time. We're going to get through this. I'm going to take a breath because I realize I'm the person that needs to help us get regulated. Yes. Um, what's not ideal or optimal is when a parent doesn't have that self-awareness and they're just trying to manage the child and their behavior all the time, but they're doing that in a way that's not really speaking the language that they ultimately want the child to speak. So, for example, if the child feels stressed and the parent says, oh, you're fine, or stop crying, or I'll give you something to cry about, or hey, you're making me upset by being upset, that's not helping that little person understand what they need to do with the stress. It's just saying, whatever you're doing isn't okay, it's making me feel upset, so you need to stop. And that doesn't give anybody any good information to work with. Right. Oh my gosh. And that is so true. I mean, you think the baby comes out and then all the, all the focus is on the child. Like, Oh, how's the baby doing? How's the baby doing? And I think maybe people are starting to learn to look to the mother more and say, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Right. But I think also making that connection to say, even if you won't do it for yourself, I mean, the the self-awareness is so positive anyway, but if you can, Mm -hmm. you know, this tying it into saying you're going to be a better parent when you are aware of yourself so that you can manage your emotions and you're not just, you know, like your child falls or hurts themselves and you're freaking out, you're making the whole situation worse when the kid would be fine. Otherwise, you know, right. Yes. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's that little bit more for self, which isn't selfish. It's actually beneficial to everybody because you're setting the tone. You're the regulator. You're the one that needs to be the the adult brain so that the young brain that's not wired up yet Mm -hmm. has something to resonate off of so that they can create these healthy ways of being. And trust me, if you know none of this, you can have a great family life. You can have a child that knows how to be in the world, Mm -hmm. but this is taking it to another level of um, really helping other humans be their best self. Like if you know how to deal with your emotional system and you understand where you are in your brain and you can, you communicate that to your children, not just by what you're saying, but by how you're living, the whole system is going to work way better. Yes. And I can see where having a resource like you and a coach like you is so imperative or so helpful because especially for the people who were raised with, oh, you're fine, you're fine, you know, just shove everything under the rug because they couldn't, you know, the parent can deal with the emotion so the child doesn't even learn how to name it, how to deal with it, never mind, you know, face it. And um, so I think 
you know, it's it may be hard for these parents to just learn. I know it's hard for me to come up and say, okay, I'm feeling this. This is what's going on right now. And I can accept help for this. Or I can accept that I don't know what to do in this moment, you know. Well, and that's oh really God. why I start. I, I didn't say this at the beginning, but that's why I start with the old paradigm and the new paradigm. Not just because the understanding is changing, but because it's really important for us to recognize that our brains got wired at a different time. And if you're, you know, in your thirties, um, it's possible that your parents were a little more conscious and aware of this stuff. But most people, you know, 35 and over were not parented with this information. It didn't exist. And so we're, and the only parent training that most of us have is being parented. So everything we got, is in there. It's very deep in our brain, whether we know it or not. And that's what we're drawing upon to help these small humans, unless we've been shown another way and we're given the support to try on these other behaviors. And believe me, it's changing quickly. And the minute people get this information, it's sometimes life-changing because they realize, oh, wow, I have to be learning while I'm teaching this person but how great is that for all of us? Because this is just a healthier way of operating. Yes. Yes. And I think, too, it's, you know, like you said, you can survive, you can get back by, you can, you know, really be well in this world with that. But is there, you know, it could be easier. You could have greater ease of interacting with people and, you know, handling your own emotions with this information, with this knowledge, I think, is what I what Without I a doubt. I mean, that's my own experience. And that's what I get feedback from people that I've been working with for now quite a long time. And that's the goal is, is rich relationships that endure. I mean, there's a lot you can do to manage the behavior of a child person and get what you need because you're bigger than them and you can pick them up and move them. Right. But that doesn't mean you're planting the seeds for a long-term relationship where they trust and respect and really look to you as their person that's safe and secure and going to guide them. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times what happens is there's this sense of, yeah, I, I'm good. Um, I, I'm going to go find the people that don't like make me feel stressed when I get stressed nice. <laughs> or who can hear what I'm, what I'm saying when I'm upset. Like yeah. that's a big deal. And it's not a given. You don't just automatically get that because you're somebody's parent. You have to earn that. And, and, and that's a good thing because you, you don't want people that trust everybody just because they're an adult or, or, or a family member. You want them to feel like they're getting good guidance and, and connection and that that person is actually relating to them as a person, not techniquing them because they're an adult and I'm techniquing a child to make them be good. Yes. The whole rewards and, and punishment and all that. It's like, okay, it works for so long, but that's not the kind of relationship, at least I, I know I want um, with my exactly. daughter. And I, right. and exactly. I have those moments where it's like, can you just do what I asked because I asked it? You yeah. know, and I know that's like, right. you know, from my history, but I just have those moments of just sheer frustration of like, oh, please let me not. But then I bring myself back and say, okay, this, I want this relationship. I want her buy-in, even at two and a half. Yeah. I want her to yeah. understand why we brush our teeth every single night and every single morning, right. you know, like, right. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you talk about self-care being a necessity and not a luxury. Can you explain what you mean by that? 
Yeah, totally. I think it fits in with what I've been sharing. So um, the the brains are talking. That, that you know, the little humans they don't come in walking, they don't come in talking. But one of the things they do come into the world with is this very strong drive to um, to connect to others that they believe are going to take care of them. And so from a very early early moment of life they're reading the, the brain state and the neuro the nervous system state of their caregivers. Like that's a that's a pre-wired thing that you do and it takes a little time, but in a very, you know, within the first two months of life, um, you're starting to attach to caregivers, specifically usually mom, whoever's there the most. Mm-hmm. And so um what that means is that small human, the baby person, is basically tuning in to the brain state of the adult. And if they're, if the, if the little one gets upset and they very um, instinctually look to the caregiver to not, to understand, is this, should I be upset? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is this something that warrants me being upset? And then if the information that comes back is freak out, then that's communicating to that little person, yeah, be upset. This is stressful. If that communication that comes back is, oh, you're having a hard time, I see that. So there's validation for what the little one is experiencing. Mm -hmm. But the actual nervous system is not on fire, is not saying alarm, alarm, alarm. It's saying, okay, you're having a hard time. I'm going to do the work to calm myself down so that I can be present for you and I can communicate not through my words, but through my body and my brain state we're safe and you can turn off your alarm over time. The child learns to do that for themselves, but they don't come in with that skill. They have to, it's like, you know, they need an other. So you, you have an extra, you're looking for external nervous systems to help you regulate yourself for a very long time or in child babyhood and childhood. Mm. And so why I say self-care is not a luxury. It's a necessity for parents is because when you've got that small human plugging into you and learning about how stress, the stress system and the emotional system works, and it's wiring up how they're going to use theirs based on the information that they're getting from their caregivers, you don't get to just be all a mess and slipping in your brain all the time and think that your kid isn't going to be reactive to that. Like you have to understand that you're, you're setting the tone and that doesn't mean that you're um, going to be at peak performance every minute. In fact, you won't be, but the awareness of where you are is really important. And so I love to use the cell phone analogy because we all have them that you have to plug that in. It has to get charged. There's no way that you can just, we don't have it yet. We don't have a self energizing cell phone. It has to get plugged in to the wall. And so, um, the same thing goes for our nervous systems and, and, and then subsequently our brain states that when we're full charge, we operate in a human brain state. We're accessing that most evolved version of ourself. It's easier to feel calm and connected and you feel like you can access all your great parenting tools and you mm-hmm. feel loving toward your people. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as the battery starts to drain, 
you're a little more cranky and you start to judge and you want to get away and you're looking at your phone a little more. And then if you let it go all the way down to red, you're in that that brainstem that's basically saying, alarm, alarm, not safe, not safe. And you're in a fight or flight state and you're either lashing out at your people or turning inward on yourself and feeling guilty and shameful and all the yucky stuff that we do to ourselves or you're shutting down and you're not really able to connect with anything, yourself or them. And so um, the deal is, it would, you know, before you have kids, it's easy, it's easy to get refilled. You know, you have a big day at work and then you maybe go see friends and then you have a good night's sleep and you're back to balance. So you drain and then you fill. And that's wonderful. But the truth of the matter is, is that you, you are the charger for your kids, that you don't have the unlimited energy. You are needing to plug in and do the self-care practices that are going to help you stay more regulated um, because the battery has to get recharged. It's that whole put the oxygen mask on yourself. Like you don't get to go, all right, kids, you're, you're good. Just, you know, go outside and recharge yourself. They can't. They're going to plug in through you. They don't have their own wall charger built. They plug in through their caregiver and they're going to take the energy however they can get it. So if you're constantly depleted and you're not able to recharge, you're going to have situations where your people, your little ones, they're not going to go, oh, you're having a hard time, parent. I'm so sorry. You know what? Take tonight. We're good. No, no, no. (laughs) They're going to reflect back exactly what you are feeling that you may not even know you're feeling. And so if you're having a hard time with your kid, it's better to look inward first and go, all right, clearly we're off. Mm -hmm. I want to help them, but I've got to help myself first. What do I need? And that might be. Well, I'll pause because I bet you have a question. So let me pause there and then you can ask another question. Well, and then I think that's the hardest thing, right? I mean, you hit the nail on the head is like how do for someone to to take that step there to say, okay, I have to look inside, you know, and and taking that time and that reflection. I mean, I think that's like the big movement now for meditation and self-awareness and all this. It's like because A, we're not taking that first step, but B, even if we know to take that second step, it's like what, what do I feel? We haven't. Correct. We, you know, we haven't worked those muscles, <clears throat> excuse me, and practiced that of like, well, what does that mean? Oh, yeah, well, I had a really crappy lunch and I didn't eat breakfast and, you know, right. I didn't sleep it last night again, you know, so, um, yeah, but go on, go on. And how do we interact with each other differently when we're in those different brain states, too? If you can share yeah, about no, a little I'd bit love of that, to. too. Let's, um, let me share that and then let's circle back to what you just said about um you know, what do we do? Because yeah, believe me, I am well aware that this is a, I know people, there's like a love hate with this information because part of you is like, wow, this is really important. I've got to take care of myself. And then the other question that immediately comes up is like, holy moly, how am I going to do that? Because I'm not doing that well. And I don't even know how to do that in the midst of parenting small humans. So we'll come back to that in a second. But so basically, um, the, the three brain states, the human, the mammal, and the reptile, and again, as stress goes up, the brain goes down. That's just the easiest way to think of it. And as, as, the, as stress goes down, the brain goes up. So when you're rested and you've had a good meal and you feel connected to your people, and if you're an introvert, you've had a little time alone, and if you're an extrovert, you've had time with other adults, 
that's like the ideal. And that, in, in, when somebody's in that brain state, they're calm and they're relaxed and they're creative and they're able to access, you know, all the goodies of being a very high functioning adult human. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that we want to take advantage of that is to, you know, be looking around and saying, oh, what am I appreciating about my life right now? And, and you know, what's working? Like, like you take advantage of those moments when you're in that brain state to really pay attention and shine the light on the good stuff. Because when you're in that brain state, that's when you can access that. And the truth is, if we have time to listen to podcasts like this, you're probably living a pretty good life, even if there's moments, a lot of them that don't feel that great. Like yeah. this, this is a high level of functioning to be tuned into podcasts. Okay. Like most people that hear me are living really amazingly privileged lives and that's beautiful and you want to really celebrate that and and you know don't take it for granted because not everybody is so when we start to slip in our so what i'll say is most of us know when we're there and then most of us know very clearly when we're not when we're in our reptile brain state so right now i'm going to skip the middle because that one's a little trickier Mm -hmm. and when we're in that reptile brain state like i said earlier you're very cranky like you're you're out of sorts you're you're basically melting down, whether that's overtly with tears and screaming and freaking out mm-hmm. or or covertly where you're just beating yourself up from the inside mm-hmm. or you're just shut down and, you know, some would say depressed. So those two states are very obvious. And what you need when you're in that lowest brain state is you need things to stop and you just need to get still and or or move. I mean, it, it, but you need to get so you, get, you need to get back with yourself. That that brain needs some serious self-parenting. And it needs to know that you are ultimately safe and you will get back to balance and you are just tired and off and needing needing something for yourself. What What's about, a little trickier. What, what about ahead. if our children are in that state? Is that when, like, you know, they may bite or kick or, hit, you know, is, is that? Yeah. Okay. So how, um, how best that's do deal when, that? so when they're in that brain state, um, what they need is um, to not feel the, they, they're already in a state of feeling threatened or stressed. And so they need to know they're safe. And if you can get low and slow and keep your physical body safe, great. If you can't, that's okay. But it's, it's no words. They don't need words. That adds to the stress. That's like throwing paper on a fire when we try to say, well, you're, take this and let's go here and you need to stop. And this is, it's like, that's like trying to grab a boat that's going over a waterfall. You're just going to go with it. So you're better off just trying to get low and slow and calm yourself down because your alarms are going off because you love this person. And it's scary when somebody's melting down, Mm -hmm. but if you can just let them have the meltdown by that point, if they're having a giant meltdown, Mm -hmm. that's what they need. That's, that's the rebalance process. That's not the, problem that's the energy i've gotten so far yeah Yeah. that's the release exactly and if you get if you if you experiment with this you don't take my word for it but try it and you say okay that lady said i should try this i'm just going to get quiet and i'm gonna you know some kids want you close and they want to hug some kids just want space like i can't tell you exactly what to do for your people but the thing you want to do for yourself is to you know i pat my chest a lot and i say okay we're safe. This is just a giant meltdown. I need to calm myself so I can be here for this person. That's really kind of all you can do in the midst of basically a, 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 a 
brain bomb going off. Mm-hmm. Now, when you or your children are in that middle brain, that limbic brain, it's a little trickier because they may still be using words and being talent, you know, and you might still be connecting to people and doing the things you have to do, but there's an edge to it. So maybe you're a little bit crankier or, you know, you're getting a little the dagger eyes toward your partner. It's like, well, why aren't they doing more? It's basically, I call it, you get crispy. You're just not super relaxed and you're not super freaking out. Um, and a lot of times, at least for me, it's when I really need to go outside and get a walk, but I pull out my phone and I'm scrolling and searching and looking for something to make me feel better. And so to me, if we can start listening, like, for example, I was with a lot, I, I'm, I'm actually an introvert at heart, but I can be very extroverted. And I was with people almost constantly this past weekend. And by the end of last night, I was with friends and I could feel myself kind of shutting down and I got home and I was going to watch a show. And I just said, nope, no, 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 you need to close your eyes, even if it's for two minutes mm-hmm. and just stop and just get still and be with yourself. And it wasn't like I instantly transformed myself, but it definitely made a difference and didn't push me any further down. And so what it looks like in a child when they're in that brain is the whining, the clinging, the freaking out, the nervous laughing, the weird like, ah, I'm getting revved and I'm still telling you things. And that's what's tricky is they're still verbal, but they're not actually, what they're saying is not actually what you want to be listening to. You want to be listening to the emotion. Mm. And so when you hear a small human whine, from the old paradigm, there's that parenting belief of like, oh, you got to nip that, or they're going to take advantage, or they're manipulating, like all the stuff that just makes me cringe, because it's like, oh my gosh, that's so not what's going on. But if you understand it from the new paradigm, you realize oh, you are a tiny human who's trying to take all this in and learn all of these things in a very short amount of time. And you're driven to express who you are. And in being driven to do that, you're constantly vulnerable to falling off this emotional cliff. And so you're going to get these, what we call, what I call unsavory behaviors. Mm -hmm. But if you see them through the lens of, oh, okay, well, I need to help you, which might mean setting some very clear boundaries and saying, you know what, sweetheart, I know you want to do that, but I'm going to hold the boundary and letting them have the meltdown. I mean, that's what's actually more helpful to them Mm -hmm. than dancing around and trying to make it okay and get them from stop crying. It's like, no, you got to be you got to be the steady person going, it's better for me to hold the boundary and you to melt down than for me to get freaky and lose it because I let the boundary go too far. And now I'm having the meltdown that, that doesn't, that's not ideal for their nervous systems. It's going to happen. And that's when you come back and say, you know what? I really wished I had handled that differently, not in the moment, but later. And so again, it's the only way to really, practice this is to understand your own brain state. So it's great to learn about the others. And believe me, I teach people that a lot. Mm-hmm. But the way, the reason why I liked why you wanted to talk to me was because I think you really understand that this is a really, this is, I, I don't even, you know, an invaluable perspective and set of tools for healthy relationships yeah. of all sorts, not just parent child. And so, and, and really 
maybe most importantly, the relationship you have with yourself. Right. And then how much positive good can snowball from that? If we understand ourselves better, we're interacting with other people in the world better. I mean, I just, you know, my brain goes to like, okay, then that goes to this, to the, you know, just kind of expands out. Everywhere. Yes, yes. You know, Everywhere. And you become a superhero of emotional intelligence because you're taking responsibility for yourself. And again, that doesn't mean that you're Pollyanna and every second is wonderful. But when you have the intelligence to say to your kids, you know what, everybody, I had a really long day and I am cranky. And if I, you know, I'm not going to be my best self for you guys. And it's not about you. And I'm going to take care of myself. That's, that's modeling some of the best humanhood you could possibly do versus you come home, you're like, oh, a good parent doesn't get cranky. I should have all the energy in the world. Why am I such a bad parent? And then your kid does something that triggers you and boom, you're freaking out on the kid and then you're feeling guilty. You would have saved yourself so much time, not by trying to be not the way you're feeling, but by acknowledging it and owning it and saying, I'm going to change something for me right now. You guys give me 10 seconds to take a deep breath or jump up and down. Like you can do it in the, you don't have to go off to the spa. You can do these things. And that's the goal is that you learn how to do them in the moment. And believe me, it might take five or 10 years. I'm not saying this might happen overnight. If you didn't get this wiring, you're it's like learning a language, but It's the ultimate gift you can give yourself and your people. Yes. And then I think, so, you know, we learn how to act like this. We act, we, we just are this in this new relationship paradigm with our, our families. And then we interact with our families in public. And other people see right. how we interact and see the positive Correct. relationship we have. And, you know, just kind of snowballs from there. The, Correct. The thing my daughter has started doing, and it usually happens around when we're trying to leave the house, and she just wants to run, and I want to get shoes on and teeth brushed and whatever. And <laughs> so she'll say to me, Mommy, are you happy? <laughs> when she can tell that I am super frustrated. And I'll say, yeah. Honey, I am always happy to be with you. But I think you're sensing that I'm frustrated. Do you know why? Mm-hmm. You know, so just even that, like, acknowledging that, you know, yes, I, I am not my happiest self right now, but I'm, mm-hmm. you know, let's reset that. Like, I'm always happy to be with you. But what you're feeling right now is my frustration in this moment, because we really Mm -hmm. need to get out of the house. And so I think, but again, like not even having, I mean, like, it was hard for me to even say that when she started asking that question. Instantly, I would say I would beat myself up inside and say, Oh, my God, she's feeling your, you know, your frustration. And I would say, Oh, no, I'm happy. I'm happy. And just right, right. You know, and I'm like, No, I'm not gonna lie. She's feeling it. I'm gonna acknowledge it. And you know, reward not reward her, but it, you know, acknowledge that she was sensitive enough. Uh, yeah, and perceptive appreciate enough. her tuning. Yes. Yeah, her tuning system. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more valuable than honoring somebody's intuition about what they're experiencing, especially in relationship. Because yes. you know, she's two and a half now, but when she's 16 and in a car, and somebody doesn't feel like they're safe to drive with, mm. if somebody, you know, if she said, "Are you safe?" and they said, "Yeah, I'm fine." But she didn't get honored early on around, wait, this doesn't feel right. I got to get out of here. Yes. Um, I mean, that's extreme. But do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Like, that gives me chills. Yeah, honoring exactly. and saying, you know, that's all you can give them. We have no idea the world that they're moving into and the technology and the way that life is going to pull them out of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so the one thing that you can offer 
without question that will be valuable and maybe even more valuable then is helping them tune into this inner guidance system. And the only way you can learn that is by somebody modeling it for themselves. You can't do that for her, but you can do it for you. So when she says, mommy, are you happy? You might say, you know what? Let me check in and see what I'm actually feeling. Holy moly, little one. You're right. I was feeling really frustrated. You felt that. That is a big deal. You keep tuning in and noticing and asking yourself, what am I feeling? What am I feeling in the people around me? You have that wisdom. That's huge, my friend. Thank you. You just gave me a gift. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Thank you, because I know I'm going to get that again. So I will use that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you might even preempt it with, hey, you guys, let's check in. How are we feeling right now? And you might say, ooh, let's see. Okay, I got a little rumble in my tummy. My shoulders are tight. Oh, let me take a breath and see if I can loosen them. Uh, I feel a little anxious, but you know what? My heart's starting to open and I feel really warm and happy to be with you. Like, can you imagine how good that would feel? And then to look at her and go, all right, your turn. What are you noticing about what's going on in your body and your emotions? And like, imagine growing up with that. Yes, that would be incredible. And just how you're putting words to it too. So, you know, you're talking through, okay, my shoulder, you know, what you're feeling and sensing in your body. It's, it's, it's modeling that for her. I just, I I feel that would be incredible. And then she, it's no different than saying we wave bye-bye when we say goodbye. Like it's, it's no different. It's just that we haven't practiced it. It's no different than any religious prayer. Like, they're absorbing. You can you can you can wire them with anything. Mm. So you might as well model and wire them with really great self care practices that are not even about like going and get a medic you know a pedicure. It's mm. like it's it's a moment to moment checking in mm. and being honest with yourself and with your people of hey this is a lot of energy out. I need to take a little bit of a a, a refresh for me. I'm going to go jump up and down or I'm going to go do a down dog or I'm going to, you know, you know what, this weekend I'm going to tell partner that I need uh, to get out of the house for a little while so that I can be filled up for these humans. Mm -hmm. Well, and that just gave me an aha moment where, so I'm thinking, you know, because instantly in this, I want to go into that next, like how can we get back into these healthy habits. Like I think it's so easy to get burnt out when we're in the thick of things and we maybe have been out of the habit of taking care of ourselves. But so I I instantly go to go to the gym. Yeah. Have a, you know, coffee Mm -hmm. with a friend, those big kind of things you have to schedule. But what you're just demonstrating there, which I think is the beauty of um, that mindfulness practice, the breathing is just stopping in any moment, assessing how we feel and even just taking a couple of deep breaths to say, I'm in control of my thoughts. I can change them. Right. You know, let me breathe. So there's like two there, but I'll let you answer. Go ahead. And, and if you can help us with what self-care can look like. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, so yeah, I think, I think in our world, and this is changing, but I think that idea of self-care is a doing. It's like going out and doing this or going to the gym or getting a yoga. Like, you know, all these people have all these ideas of what the humans need for self-care. And what my story is, is like, I don't know what you need. I can give you the prompts. I can give you the reminders to check in and ask yourself because real self-care is, in my opinion, much more about 
learning to be with yourself, no matter what you're experiencing, and really listening to that knowing inside and really tuning in and asking like, okay, what do I need today? I'm, you know, because you might need to, you might need to go to the gym and you might need that every day, but you don't, you don't want to just do it prescriptively because so-and-so said to do it. It's like, what I'm really about is getting people to do the work of even before the the prescription. It's like, okay, there's all these things. We know what's out there. We know what's possible, but learning what's essential. And that's one of my favorite words, learning what's essential for you and your well-being is a practice that I want to take people on. And even it's like a little bit of a deeper. And the, here's the cool thing. It's actually like more efficient and it's kind of simple because you can do it moment to moment. So you might realize I need a lot of, I, you know, I'm a person personally, Carrie Conti is somebody that realized, you know, over the last decade, I need to be outside a lot. Like I need to be in nature. Mm-hmm. So whether I have a day to go walking in the woods or I have 15 minutes to go around the block or I have 20 seconds to open the door and walk outside, I know that that's going to fill me. It's, it's a guaranteed filler. Yeah. But I needed to figure that out. I didn't need so-and-so telling me, oh, well, you're a nature person. Like, that had to be discovered. Mm-hmm. So when I work with people, that's kind of the first step is – I don't know what you need, but I can help you figure out what you need by getting you to really check in with yourself. So with my community of people that I support, Mm -hmm. there's always a component of writing prompts. And they're, you know, a little practice. I call it the template. And I've been doing it myself for almost a decade. And I have a community of people who do it daily. And it's a practice of, you know, how am I feeling? What do I need today to feel like my best self? What's my intention? It's it's a it's mindfulness practices that you could spend an hour doing or you could spend thirty seconds doing, and either way, you're going to get more connected to yourself, which is where the real self care happens. Amazing, that's awesome. You should make that into like a journal or something. Just that page over and over and over. You know, I know. I, mean, I, I did would, actually. I would buy it. No, I did. <laughs> I know it's really good. It's really, really, it's a, it's a great tool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. So what inspires you? Mm, This, this inspires me having people who want to hear this information and want to help me go deeper with it and are picking my brain. And um, that's a big giant inspiration watching families connect in really rich and meaningful ways, you know, really, uh, watching people grow and explore life from this perspective of, okay, it, we're meant to have fun. This is not supposed to be drudgery. It's supposed to, you know, feel good and we're supposed to learn and grow and explore joy and love and um, any opportunity to, you know, have deep, rich conversations and experiences with myself in nature um, or with people that I love or with people who are just discovering me and are looking for more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like 
it's kind of endless. Like I'm very, um, I don't know, I'm in an eternal state of appreciation for the life I get to live and watching things unfold. And it's these kinds of conversations that like bring me back to that all the time. Yeah. That's so amazing. I just, I mean, everything that you're saying is like learning what's essential for us. I just, I keep yeah. thinking of like those newborn days and you get attention when you're pregnant, then the baby comes in your chopped liver. Not really, but you know, I'm, I'm a, a pelvic PT, so I kind of have a little bias that, you know, the shift goes to the child and then the mom even right. in the postpartum care is not attended to like she really should be. And so um, just all of this, like bringing back to you are vital, you are important and it, even in just by tending to yourself, you can tend to your little ones even better. But I, all that um, self-discovery and self-awareness, I think, is just so powerful and so inspiring to me to hear and to and to share this knowledge. It's incredible. Um, go on. Are you going to say something? Thank you. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. It's very well said. And the, the last little thing I want to say is when you do have a baby or even little children around, um, it, it, it's, you do need to pay attention to them. And if you are, you know, even a fraction conscious, you're going to want to give them the bulk of your energy and attention. And, and that's, that's reason, you know, I get, I get that, you know, I get that. And what I'm trying to do is just give people the permission not that you need it from me, but I think sometimes hearing it from the doctor, mm-hmm. um, and, and having somebody genuinely say, hey, wait, let's slow this down because the way you're feeling is all valid and it makes perfect sense of why you're feeling the way you do. Mm -hmm. And that is actually going to be tuned into by the other people. So you taking even 1% more time to just think about how you're feeling and what you need is actually going to benefit them so even if you don't want to do it for yourself because it feels quote-unquote selfish you know old paradigm there was a lot of that like oh those moms are selfish if they're taking care of themselves no it's it's i had a mom say to me no i'm being self-full that i'm actually doing something that i recognize is going to benefit everybody and when you start and again don't take my word for it you have to practice this and you might even have to run some experiments that aren't even comfortable. Like, okay, so here's the perfect example. It's like, all right, I don't want to leave because I know my child gets upset every time I leave the house. And so it's just not worth it. But you know what? I heard what she said. So let me go for a walk. The little person is going to be with whoever. I'm going to go around the block. And when I get home, I'm going to ask myself, do I feel more love and joy toward this person or less? And if I feel that sense of more love and joy, I'm going to do 30 minutes next time. And then I might go for an hour another day. And if you start to play with it, not because the quote unquote expert said it, but because you're the expert and you're running the experiments to really dial in, what do I need to show up to be a parent to this person and be in really good relationship? Not what does a good parent do? You see the difference? Yes, totally. It's totally internally motivated versus externally. Like, oh, I've got to do this because that book said so or that's, you know, expert said so. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No, it's like, what do we need? You know, there's, I say this a thousand times a day. There's no right way to do this. Mm -hmm. There's no right way to do you. There's no right way to do humanhood. 
but there is your way and you have to take the time and get the support to figure that out. And that's, that's the paradigm shift that we're taking, that, that we're really doing right now. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners? Like, I mean, we've talked about a lot and I am blown. Yeah, away, we talked a lot. That was yeah. fun. If yeah. No, we covered, if... I think we covered most of my greatest hits. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, the big thing I just want to leave people with is, uh, this, these are, these are relationships. This is not, you know, I, 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 I joke, but I mean it. I'd love to get rid of the word parenting because I think it yeah. puts undue pressure on the humans. And, and I really like to remind people that this is another human and yes, you need to help them grow and take care of themselves, but ultimately you're just in relationship with another person and that person is their own, their own being. And so, making sure you're being just slightly more curious about the person you are Mm -hmm. and then being curious about the person they are and then being in relationship with them and finding the ways to relate that feel really good for both of you. That's what I'm trying to help people do. So I, um, yeah, I see this world where parents are taking really good care of themselves and, they're practicing these more conscious ways of being in relationship and it's changing everything. Yeah. That's so awesome. I, oh, I'm so inspired. Um, can you tell us how people can best connect with you or find out more um, about what you're up to? Yeah, totally. So I have a website, Carrie Coffee, C-O-C-A-R-R-I-E-C-O-N-T-E-Y, a bit of an unusual spelling, CarrieConti.com. Um, but honestly, the best way to reach me is just to send me an email, hello at terryconti.com. So if you hear this and you have questions or you want to know how you can get more, uh, just go ahead and reach out. I'm very accessible. I'm a one-woman show. <laughs> I tried to build a big old business and I was like, nope, that's not me. And so I basically just got back to the basics and I kind of do one thing at a time and I feel really good about how I'm operating. And so if you email me, uh, I'll do my best to get back to you pretty quickly and it might take a day or two. Um, but I will, I promise I will respond and, um, it will be me. It's not somebody else responding. So, um, reach out. Thank you so much. I honor you and all that you bring to parents and people and humans alike. And I just, I'm so glad that you're in the world doing the work that you do and that you carved Mm -hmm. out time to talk with me today. I cannot thank you enough for that. Oh, you just made me cry. That's really touching. Thank you. It's it's my honor, honestly. Thank you. I had so much fun talking with Carrie and learning from her. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. In two weeks, I will be speaking with Dr. Julie Granger, who is a healthy mindset coach for women, teens, and physical therapy professionals. She is a physical therapist herself who helps people understand that everything starts with your mindset. I really appreciate you listening, and I wish you all well.